This is Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm Molly Nelson, host of the podcast here with Rochelle Smith, producer of the podcast and podcasting with us today, Anna Marie Morrow. She's the director of Medicare here at Merkel Retirement Planning. And we've got Lauren Merkel. He's a certified financial planner, a certified financial fiduciary, and a retirement income certified professional. Okay, let's backtrack just a little bit. You're a director of Medicare there. Maybe if you're working with a financial advisor right now, maybe you haven't done it before, you might be like, what does a director of Medicare have to do with retirement planning? Oh, we are here to tell you all about that today and also talk about how what's happening in Washington can affect your retirement plan, specifically some new changes to Medicare that were recently signed into law. So let's start with Anne-Marie Morrow, Director of Medicare. Do people ever kind of go, hey, what's your role on the team here at Merkel Retirement Planning? Yes, they sure do. But, you know, we're seeing more and more of those commercials and ads everywhere about Medicare. And the big question is, well, how does that fit in? Like, why are you a part of this, you know, larger piece of the puzzle for retirement planning because a lot of people don't realize that your Medicare decisions are influenced by the other decisions that you make in retirement. And it's just fun to see and be a part of that process as people, our families come in and the, they see this plan put in place and how all of these legislative changes come into play and they can affect your Medicare, which incur which in turn can change and affect the decisions you make elsewhere and vice versa. Yeah, Lauren, I think sometimes if you're working with a financial advisor, maybe you're in the accumulation years or maybe even in retirement, sometimes these lanes are totally separate. Sometimes these are two different highways on the journey to retirement. But at Merkel Retirement Planning, we want everybody on the same highway as they head to and through retirement. Yeah, and if you're asking the question, what does Medicare have to do with retirement planning? That means you're nowhere close to age 65 because as soon as you get anywhere close to age 65, you get bombarded with all this information about Medicare. And it seems really confusing because it is. There's so many different options that uh, that you have to select from once you become a, a Medicare eligible. So we need to make sure that we include the Medicare, uh, the Medicare options into your overall retirement plan because the decisions that you make on your tax planning side, the decisions you make on your income planning side could directly impact what you pay for Medicare. Plus, you want to make sure that you have the best coverage possible for you and you pay a reasonable expense for that coverage. So we have to bake it into your overall retirement plan, which is nice, uh, which is why it's nice that we have a Medicare specialist on the team to work in conjunction with the retirement planners to make sure that your retirement plan is working uh, with all the synergies that it's supposed to work with to make sure that you get the best plan possible. Yeah. And when it comes to Medicare, we've talked about it on this podcast. So stuff that we've talked about with Anne-Marie Morrow's advantage plans versus Medicap plans. What is annual enrollment? What is open enrollment? I'm 65. I'm still working. Do I elect Medicare? Do I wait? So those, the answers to those questions are in podcasts that, that are right in this podcast library. So scroll up and you'll see some of those Medicare podcasts that we've done before. But today you've become, um, you've put on your hat here, Anne-Marie Morrow. You are a lawmaker. You're a legislator. <laughs> you live in Washington, D.C. You're at the, the center of where laws are made. Did you ever think when you, you know, kind of started down this path that you would be so entrenched in what was happening in Washington? That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that campaign completely. Vote for I, Morrow. I know who I would have voted for. <laughs> oh, actually, it's been a lot of fun with these new changes that have been implemented. It's fun to, you know, dive in and see how our families can be affected and then, you know, rethinking a few strategies. And we're going to we're going to go into that today cuz you know, these aren't just 
blanket laws that are signed into place. There's actually steps that people can take to, you know, make it work for them and things to be aware of within their planning as well. So that that piece of it has really been fun to uh, to dive into these past few weeks as it's come to fruition. And something I thought I'd never dive into, I did a little research on Medicare. I mean, it's 63 million Americans are insured through Medicare. It's the second highest spending government program aside from Social Security. Mm-hmm. So this impacts a lot of people. And I think sometimes it's easy to forget that lawmakers set the rules. I mean, you think about taxes, lawmakers set the rules. Uh, a lot of the things, Lauren, that impact retirement actually kind of start in Washington. And that's why it's so important that your Medicare director, your retirement planner, your entire team is Washington is washing watching, put the T in there, then take the T out, watching what's happening in Washington. And sometimes it's tempting to think that your retirement plan is a set it and forget it type of plan, and it's not. It's something that has to be revisited at least on an annual basis, not only because the legislative changes, but also because there's a lot of things that take place in your life that change. Life is not static. These laws are not static. So we need to make sure that we have a good understanding of the impact of how these laws are going to uh, potentially change your retirement, uh, potentially change any decisions that you've already made. And part of the, the benefit of having a comprehensive retirement plan is it provides you with confidence. You have to make certain decisions every single year. You want to make sure that you're making these decisions with the utmost confidence so you don't have to uh, fast forward five years, look back and say, I wish I would have. I wish I would have known how this decision was going to impact my future. I wish I would have been more aware of this legislation. Um, And then you can go through retirement enjoying the lifestyle aspect of your retirement plan, all the things that you have fun doing, and not really have to having to worry about all these other things because you know that it's taken care of and you're making the best decisions along the way. And probably full disclosure, none of us in this room are actually lawmakers. None of us hold any public position. None of us are, you know, uh, have a storied career of reading bills and laws. But what we do is we lean on our peers in this industry. We you public, you know, trade journals. You talk to the other people that are doing the same kinds of things we are. And we look at various news outlets to try to look at what's happening in Washington and how it impacts people. And then we get and talk to our clients. So the families and individuals that we work with through lunch and learn, email communication, 15-minute checkup calls. We try to say, hey, here's how we think this is going to impact your plan. Or you can call us and ask questions, Lauren, and say, hey, I heard about these Medicare changes. I'm 64. What should I be looking for? And that's a great way to kind of start the conversation in one of those complimentary 15-minute checkup calls. Yeah. It's, and if when you see this legislation uh, or any legislative updates and you have a curiosity of how is that going to impact you, you, you know that these decisions were on your radar, uh, but what does this mean? Uh, what does that mean? And, and it's a great way to start that 15-minute retirement checkup phone call. We have great conversations uh, on those phone calls. And really, it's, it's intended to give you an outlet of here's some of the questions you've been thinking about that specifically pertain to you. Uh, and, and here's uh, access to somebody who has expertise in all of these areas that can give you accurate information to help you on your way. Uh, there's a lot of information out there. I mean, we put a lot of information out there on our, our YouTube channel. Uh, we, we do uh, online workshops. So we, there's a ton of information out there, but that information 
isn't necessarily specific to your situation. So I think it's nice to take in all that information uh, and try to apply that, but a lot of times it raises more questions than what you had going into viewing that type of content, which is why the 15-minute retirement checkup calls are so valuable and so popular. A lot of people take advantage of them because now you can get down to your details of what's really important to you. You can schedule a 15-minute complimentary retirement checkup call by going to MerkleRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E Retire.com. You see the retirement planners? Scroll down a little bit. You'll see Anne-Marie Morrow's smiling face there. You can also schedule a call specifically with her if you want to talk about some of this Medicare stuff. Okay, you guys ready? Putting on your lawmaker hats? Oh, boy. We're in D.C. <laughs> let's pretend. I've never been to D.C. and I really want to go. So let's pretend we're in D.C. and we've signed a bill into law. Ooh, that makes me president. Ooh. Oh, this, uh, this scenario keeps getting better and better. I've signed a bill into law and this bill has lots of layers as most of these bills do. And somewhere in this bill, there's changes to Medicare. Let's talk about the changes to Medicare. One of the things I think is really interesting, and this is, guys, this is uh, clearly a political play, right? I know how this works. You make some of these changes in four or five years because you want to get reelected, right? That's how this works. So we're not going to dive into should this bill, you know, is it good? Should this person be reelected? That's not where we want to go. But it is interesting if you look at it because when it's touted, they say Medicare changes. Well, then you really dive into it and it's like, well, some of these don't go into effect till 2026, 2029 is when they fully go into effect. They're phased in. So what I want to do with this, guys, is talk about starting in 2023. That's our most immediate changes that happen. So there will be no deductibles, coinsurance, or other cost-sharing requirement for adult vaccines covered under Medicare Part D. What does it mean, Anne-Marie? Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty exciting one. You know, when when our demographic, when Medicare beneficiaries see that, I think the majority in my mind went to shingles. The shingles vaccine has been expensive, right? And starting in 2023, we can now look forward to there being no co-pays, nothing they need to worry about as far as payment goes to uh, to get that shingle shot. Because it's also a two-part shot as well. And that obviously adds up. So that was really great to hear. You can find this list of vaccines. It's already been, it's already covered under the Medicaid provisions. And you can see that whole list. It's a big list of, of vaccines that that, uh, that they no longer have to worry about having co-pays or deductibles or any of any of that stuff for. So that's a pretty exciting one to look forward to for sure. Anne-Marie, there's also going to be a cap on insulin. What's that all about? So people, when you hear this cap on insulin, the majority of people, we've already heard this, right? The previous administration had implemented this policy that no one would pay more than $35 a month for their insulin. Well, what's changing within that law is that in the previous administration, drug companies had the option to cap their insulin at $35. Whereas now moving forward, starting in 2023, all drug, com drug companies will need to cap their insulin at $35. So it's already been in place somewhat. It's just an extension and adding to that law was that was put in place previously. So yeah. the drug companies had the option of capping at $35. How many took advantage of that? Was that a pretty prevalent practice or... Are there still a, a lot of people out there paying way more per month? It's definitely been split. There are definitely some drug companies that took advantage of that. People are paying a cap of 35, but there are others out there that are paying hundreds of dollars and they're going through those drug tier deductibles and initial coverage phase, catastrophic coverage. So this will definitely be a benefit uh, to those that weren't a part of drug companies that were participating in that plan. 
And you guys mentioned drug companies. Of course, with any law, there's opposition. A lot of the opposition does come from drug companies. Uh, and this next uh, part of the bill is one of the big reasons why, because th this bill requires that drug companies will have to send rebates to Medicare if prices for drugs covered by Medicare go up faster than the rate of inflation. This sounds like a tricky one, I think, even to enforce. Yeah. So first off, for their base year of measuring these increases, it starts in 2021. So that's their base of measuring this increase. And it's basically going to be pertaining to drugs that are costing over $100. And this will include the single source and the biologics covered under Part B as well. Now, when we look at the rate of inflation, like you said, Molly, this is where things can kind of get tricky. This would also include premiums for drug cards. And what happened a number of years ago is, you know, when people didn't realize that when people weren't paying attention, basically, in during annual enrollment on changing their drug cards for the following year, and then all of a sudden come January, not just their refill costs changed, but also their premiums went sky high, and they had no idea of these changes. Well, this is going to cap that increase in their monthly premium as well for these drug cards. Now, a proposed way to get around that is these drug companies will now be eliminating these cards and then implementing new cards at a higher rate. So that's kind of a way to get around that law. So that is just another byline to make sure that you are checking your drug card every year to see what changes need to be made. And if they are canceling your card, make sure that you are getting on a different one to support whatever formularies you're taking for prescription medications. And fall is a good time to start checking that stuff because the annual enrollment period is always what? October, it's always the same every year. It's always the same every year, October 15th to December 7th. That's when you can make those changes for the following year. Okay, another part of the bill is negotiation. So for the first time ever, Medicare, the federal government, can negotiate with pharmaceutical companies for the price of drugs. The goal, of course, is to bring down the price for the consumer. What are you hearing about this, Anne-Marie? So who here has ever negotiated <laughs> with the federal government? What, what do we think uh, that that's like? I'm not even good at negotiating at home with my children. I can't imagine a lawmaker, a federal agent, a person that works for the government. Nope, nope, doesn't sound yeah. like it would be easy at all. No, do, at tax time, do we negotiate with the IRS? What does that look oh, like when we negotiate with the IRS? I wish. Lauren, have you had to do that, negotiate with the IRS? There is ever? no negotiation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they tell you exactly what you're going to pay. That is exactly right. Mr. Lauren Merkel. So basically what this looks like is if the pharmaceutical companies are, you know, putting forth these costs and they exceed what the government is mandating at that point, it's not a negotiation. There are penalties applied, right? So, and, and who's going to absorb that cost, right? The drug manufacturers in theory will absorb that cost, but it's, it's not a negotiation. I like the fancy word, but it is more set forth that they need to abide by these rules. And if they don't, then penalties will be applied. And it's going to be a gradual process. You know, these changes are over the next few years. And part of the, on the pharmaceutical side of things, they have this, you know, air quotes here, protection that any new biologic 
drugs or single source medications that are released, any new ones, they are not covered by this negotiation for the first nine years. So there is no cap or penalty on the cost of these meds as they're going through trials for those first nine years. So that's the, you know, air quotes again, protection for the pharmaceutical side of things. Uh, and then whoever is the director of human health and human services department at that time, this individual is going to say, okay, it's going to be, we're going to start with these 10 drugs for this year. So it's up to this single person to choose these 10 drugs that we can negotiate moving forward at that lower cost. And then each year, in theory, this will increase the number of drugs on that list. Yeah, because everyone's wondering, will my the cost of my drug go down? And what I'm reading about this is that they're going to take the top 100 and they're going to choose 10 from there. But keeping in mind, it has to have been on the market for nine years. Yep. It has to have no generic equivalent. I mean, there's a lot of stipulations. But again, the hope is that pharmaceutical companies will lower some of these drug costs and then lower the cost, not only for Medicare, the second most expensive government program that, that we run, and also the cost to the consumer. So if that happens, a lot of people would like like that, right? Absolutely. I mean, it sounds it sounds great in theory. You know, hopefully we could get, you know, drugs like Genuvia um, and Eliquis at that, at that lower cost. But at, you know, you, you have it in the back of your mind, I feel like from feedback that I've heard so far is what will that do to alter the study and theory put into these medications moving forward to save that pharmaceutical cost on that side of things. Yeah, and that's what the pharmaceutical companies are saying. They're saying, well, now we're not going to have as much money for, for research. So yes, not a win-win for everybody mm -hmm. and, and still a lot to be determined. We should also mention too that the negotiations start, I believe, next year, but the first pricing of, does not go into effect until 2026. Again, some of this stuff long-term years down the road with these Medicare changes. Mm -hmm. The next part of the bill caps out-of-pocket spending for Medicare Part D starting in 2025 at $2,000. This is a big one. This is, this is the one I feel like is catching people's eye the most because for years, I mean forever, because this is brand new, people, that's the driving force behind Medicare. You know, what you're going to pay is the cost of your medications. And this is the first time we will see an out-of-pocket max on drug cards. And people, depending on obviously the medications you're taking, they're paying way more than that $2,000 for a per calendar year. So this is the one that's spurring up the most questions. This is going to have people just really excited. And so let's dive into that. Um, yeah, let's dive into what that looks like. Yeah, what are some of the common questions you're getting? So this actually begins in 2024. We, we know that the max out of pocket starts in 2025 at $2,000, right? In 2024, it begins the elimination of the 5% coinsurance if you hit catastrophic coverage. Now, what that means is if you're on a drug card or if you're on an Advantage plan with your drug card built in, there's these tiers of payment that you move through, right? So that first tier is the deductible phase where you're paying 100% of the cost of your medications, right? Once you hit whatever that deductible is on your drug card, then you move into initial coverage where you're paying 25% and you're sharing that cost with the drug card that you're on, they're picking up 75%. 
And then once you and the drug card together hit a certain amount, then you move into the donut hole, which we're all familiar with that phase. It's, it's typically in the past meant a larger, you're going to have more to pay, but it's staying stagnant. It's still that same cost difference that you're paying 25%, the drug card's picking up the rest. And then once you and the drug card together hit another amount, it's around $7,000, then you move into catastrophic coverage. So you're paying an exorbitant amount by this time. It's usually for this year, it's looking at about $3,250 with that split. That 5% coinsurance in catastrophic coverage is being eliminated in 2024, which means that essentially you have an out-of-pocket max occurring in 2024. It'll just be higher than that $2,000. It's going to be around $3,250 when you look at your split with the drug card. So it begins in 2024 with the elimination of that 5% catastrophic coverage. And then we go into 2025 where your max out of pocket is lower at that $2,000 mark. And when I hear the word catastrophic coverage, I think of like that health insurance, you can get that real minimum health insurance for like car accidents and, and extreme things. But this is just for certain kinds of prescription medicines that are deemed catastrophic. Yeah. Catastrophic coverage in this regard means that it's catastrophic that you're paying this much for medications. Okay. Basically, <laughs> you've gone through all the tiers. The yes. catastrophic oh. tier is that last tier. So you've paid the maximum amount of these other three tiers and now it's 5% of whatever the, the cost, cost is, is going yep, forward. and there's no out-of-pocket max. There's never been an out-of-pocket max before, so it's catastrophic that you're <laughs> taking these medications that cost this much, basically. So this can add up to thousands of oh, dollars yeah. for people pretty easily if they're on several medications. That are high-costing, absolutely, in those higher tiers. So this is very, uh, very exciting. Now, this changes strategies that people that we talk through with people and that people are using like these senior discount savings cards on prescription medications. You know, we've got uh, good RX and I know um, a lot of grocery chain stores have their own discount saving models for prescription medications. When you use those cards, you're using them independently from your drug card. So if you continue to use these discount savings cards, what you're paying for these medications will not go towards your drug card deductible. So if you continue to use these cards with these out-of-pocket maxes, you could continue to pay throughout the year when if you're taking more expensive drugs and you could hit that $2,000, maybe hit that $2,000 and then you don't have to pay for drugs the rest of the year. But that would mean the elimination of using your discount savings card. And that's starting next year, right away. Would you want to do that? 2024, you might want to think about that as a strategy. Yeah, if you're paying more than $3,300 in a calendar year for your medications and you're using discount savings cards, maybe don't, maybe consider, don't use that card. Let it apply to your deductible and your initial coverage phase and see if you can hit that out-of-pocket max and then you don't need to worry about paying drugs for the rest of that calendar year. So this is part of where the customization of Medicare coverage comes into play. And, and my guess is you're going to be engaged in a lot of that type of calculation conversation uh, with the families that you work with. Because based on the medications that they have, uh, the cost that they're going to have for those medications, their strategy is going to be different. Do they use the discount cards? What's that going to cover? What's it going to add up to for the entire year? Or does it make sense to use the drug card? and then fill up the deductible, the co-insurance, and then basically you're out of pocket. Therefore, there going forward is going to be nothing. Absolutely. And that's what we do now. When, when we sit down with our families, you know, we look at, we pull up, you know, the GoodRx card. 
And then we look at, okay, if you use this GoodRx card for this medication, it's going to lower it by this month, this much, which means you won't hit this tier. And we strategize which drugs won't have any cost on the drug card versus the GoodRx card. And this is going to just revamp that whole picture moving forward when that out-of-pocket max comes into play. Just a reminder, if you want to talk about this kind of a strategy directly with Anna Marie, you can schedule a 15-minute complimentary retirement checkup call by going to MerkleRetire.com, M-E-R-K-L-E, Retire.com. That's some great information about some of these Medicare changes we'll be watching for. Again, we know what lawmakers do impacts retirement, and lawmakers also set the cost of living adjustment for Social Security. Projections are right around 9%, one of the, the largest COLA uh, increases in the last 40 years. So Lauren, you're talking to people about this as you build their retirement plans. You're talking about retirement income. You look at 9% and most people are pretty happy. Most people are pretty happy until they look back at their previous experience with the Social Security COLA increases. And, and what they uh, communicate to me is that they're they're hesitant to, to get too excited about the Social Security COLA increase because what usually follows that is a hefty Medicare premium increase, which really negates the overall spending ability of the increase in the Social Security income that they get. So, yes, they're kind of interested, but at the same time, they're holding back their enthusiasm because of the usual Medicare increases that come with it. And I have some fine print on that. <laughs> <laughs> Anna Marie, here to say it. Enter, enter. Anna Marie. <laughs> um, so with that, so like last year, let's talk about 2021 going into 2022. We had a large cola. It was what? 5.9%. And then when we heard that, that's where I'm, our minds went, right? Oh, large, large Medicare increase. And it was, it was the largest dollar increase to the Medicare part B premium ever. But what is not common information, what's not common knowledge is the the reason for that Part B increase is there was this Alzheimer's drug that they anticipated would be very expensive and it's covered under Part B because it's given within clinics. So it's covered under your Part B insurance. What they have found out is it is not as expensive as their original projections. So there is talk about next year, that Medicare premium actually going down. So- it could go both ways. We're not we're not making any blanket statements here with that huge COLA increase, but also keep in mind that there's other factors other than inflation that could actually take that number back down for next year or not quite as high as an increase. So what you're saying is if somebody's paying $170 a month for Medicare right now, that could potentially go down under $170 a month? Potentially, yes. When are we going to find that information out? Uh, you know you know how it rolls, Lauren. It's, it's like, what, November, December? Last of the year, typically. So it's possible they could get a couple hundred dollar increase a month in their Social Security income and actually save money on their Medicare Part B. I mean, I would, I would love it if that were to happen. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. So yeah, to be determined. So we'll definitely talk about the COLA increase, Medicare premium increase. Uh, we'll be watching all of that. So again, we joke about watching, watching what's happening in Washington. And I'm going to say that 10 more times. Watching what's happening in Washington. Yes, nailed it. <laughs> we joke about wash. It's <laughs> <laughs> because you only said it one time, not ten. Again, we joke about watching it, but it's so important. And really, it is exciting sometimes when the, we can give good news to the families and individuals we work with. And then other times when, 
taxes go up or the secure act comes around well, we podcast on that a lot you can scroll back and look at that we have to maybe give them the bad news or change strategy but what i like lauren is is how you open this podcast is retirement is changing strategies are changing and and we're watching to make sure we're, we're implementing the best strategies for people we can yeah we have to watch it just to make sure that the comprehensive retirement plan is adequate to uh and relevant based on all legislation and and what is going on in your life so uh, there's a lot of factors that will change the retirement plan over the years. Uh, nothing is static. Life is always changing. Legislation is always changing. And we want to make sure that your plan accurately reflects that so you can live the retirement that you want to and not have to worry about turning into the turning on the news every single day and figure out what's next, what's new, what's coming down the pike that's going to have an impact on you. We got it covered. We'll keep watching the legislation. We'll keep talking about all of the components of retirement on this podcast. It's Retiring Today, and we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC.